Hi, this is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. My guest today is Sudeshna Sen. She uses the pronoun she, her, hers. Sudeshna is the founder of The Abundant Psyche. She is a career strategist and productivity geek who has a real-life job. Much of what she speaks is from her experience of navigating her career and what she has witnessed with the careers of her students and clients. She is spiritual and brings some aspects of practical spirituality in what she teaches. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. You are welcome. So tell us about what you do for work. So in my corporate job, I head up a strategy and data science team. So that means I do everything related to businesses um, making more money, but also the business that I work for works very closely about um, on making a positive impact on the diversity and inclusion piece in the industry. So I'm really proud of that. Um, so that's the corporate uh business strategy angle. I have a data angle to it. Um, I have a degree in economics, which means I'm quite quantitative, but also logical and business oriented. So um, I do a lot of the cool machine learning stuff um, and apply that to business strategy as well. So that's what I do for my day job in my corporate career. What do you do for your other job? My other job, the abundant psyche, that's my passion project. Um, So what I do is I basically help um, high achieving professionals to change their careers when they want to. And what I do find is many a times we get stuck in our careers, not because we don't know what to do next, not because we don't have clarity. We say that we don't have clarity, but actually what we are really afraid of is, oh my God, what will my family think? What will my in-laws think? What will my friends think if I go from this uh, prestigious job to something I really enjoy doing? But, you know, I can't use my company's brand name as a vehicle for my ego. Um, And that's what I find a lot of times happen with my clients. Um, So I am quite passionate about that because especially because somehow we take the high achieving cream de la cream sort of bulk of our society and then turn them into some sort of, um, I don't know, like mind numbed robots in some sense that um, they are always scared about being judged by people who are also scared of being judged, (laughs) which in itself is so funny. Right. Oh my gosh, there's so many things there. Okay. Uh, Let me start with this. If people could use your work of the abundant psyche and do and find their passion and what's in alignment with their beliefs. So if we could get like the bulk of our world doing that, what would our world look like? more fulfilled, more happy, and I suppose we'll all be a bit nicer to each other because 
you know when you feel like you are in alignment that shows that just has so much of positive energy around it that that just is infectious like the same thing negative energy is infectious so is positive energy and i um i speak about that from the spiritual angle but actually thinking about it um from the more practical aspect of it like high energy means you have more confidence more more of those neurotransmitters and more of those hormones and chemicals that are sort of upsurge of which brings more positivity and confidence and when you as a human or an animal in this animal kingdom have more of those hormones guess what people around you have more of those hormones because our bodies are not separate we react in ways that um we just cannot comprehend within our limited set of uh, perception oh i love that so much i've got so many great pictures in my head so we talked about this i think a little bit before i have this audacious belief that if women specifically can work on their own healing then we would be able to ripple out and then effectively heal the world so working on our own stuff making maybe atonement or amends with whatever has happened to our ancestors and previous generations working on our own healing to own who we are work on uh a relationship with our ego work on uh you know having our own boundaries and being in alignment and all that and once we can embrace that journey and then continue on that journey and then whatever then we're going to model for our the people around us usually in a lot of sense like your, your family right and then modeling that for our children my son i am sorry has not remembered that i'm doing a live podcast right now and <laughs> so we will hear his voice echo and probably get picked up by the microphone and that is real life so when we as women can model all those those kind of uh changes in ourselves and owning our own path i believe similar to what you were saying, that our world will be in a much better alignment. I love how you said that we'll be nicer or kinder to each other. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think um, this is something that I say a lot of times that as women, um, and this is a real issue, right, especially in our corporate world, and actually mostly in the economics part of the world like the business of making money that part of the world women are underrepresented and many a times i think we sort of um play the victim and look the thing is it's not like we are not the victim i'm not i'm not taking that away from you but what is that giving us playing the victim doesn't give us anything and if we want to affect change we just have to take the ownership and show up as leaders in our world and does that mean you need to be more represented in the corporate sector or the you know the financial bit of our world maybe maybe not i don't know what the right answer to that is but i suppose it's our own fundamental choices that will guide us to what our own truths 
should be looking like and where our alignment is at its best um and um i think um i i'm almost uh, going to sound a bit strange when i say this but you know at times i do feel like this entire piece around uh, we should get more women leaders and so on yes we should but also have you really asked the women if they want to be those leaders or do they want to be running something on their own a small shop where they literally can juggle between 15 things that they want to do and i do at times wonder do we want diversity in corporate sectors because that's what we have been told and we haven't thought about it enough oh fascinating okay let's go there let's go to diversity and inclusion if we can yeah so you uh said that you're working i think on a on a diversity kind of like a diversity and inclusion team in your in your day job work is did i understand that correctly um that's not quite the case but my day job is for an events company and we are extremely passionate about bringing in more diverse talent into the financial services sector that's that's what we pledge to do as an events organization so i have a role in that i wouldn't say that's my full time role oh, okay so like you participate maybe in some of the strategy meetings or something like that or helping to guide the direction or maybe as the organization ramps up their look at diversity and inclusion you maybe uh help check that to reality would that sound like an okay summary yes sort of so we organize something called the rise up uh cohorts so we basically want to promote top women in financial services and give them the stage um and represent them across our shows and our shows are quite big as well which is why when we sort of give them that spotlight they suddenly become so much more well known in the world right. of finance so that's that's what we typically do something the ted talks of finance maybe yeah could you could say that that's one way to put it okay <laughs> those are kind of like magic and golden for people right sometimes <laughs> um okay so you made a comment about how sometimes it's as if our society is jumping on the bandwagon of diversity and inclusion when maybe we should be how i'm interpreting it is that maybe we should be asking different questions like maybe those aren't the right questions to ask can you kind of expand on that a little bit yes so i will tell you so i was when i was growing up my mom's a fierce feminist um and she actually is a professor in sociology so that tells you how much of a feminist she is she basically did some work with women prisoners and so on so fascinating stuff um but also because of that background when i was growing up i got to sort of understand a bit about feminism and postmodern feminism and so on and uh 
I remember this bit about postmodern feminism where they say that are we trying to ask for equality and is that in some way telling you that men are good that's why we are aspiring to be like them that in itself is so convoluted and that in itself tells you what is wrong with our society like are we asking for equality because we think they are better why else would we ask for equality but i guess the broader point to make here is that everyone should have equal opportunities and that's something that i think is absolutely something that should be non negotiable unfortunately it's not the case and that's that's why we have all of these problems but what i do say is that think for yourself what is it that you want because there are so many times we underestimate the value that a um full time mom provides to her family and the society just because she doesn't bring in a paycheck it might be her choice to do that she might have been forced to do that it might have been her circumstances but i guess what i'm saying is women should and also men should have a choice in saying i want to be this corporate person or no i want to be the stay at home mom or dad or um you know i want to be an entrepreneur but that's the limit that i want to grow till or like whatever right like but it shouldn't be this rat race where people have told us this is what status and prestige look like and that's why we should aspire to be like that um that is i think something we should be challenging uh several years ago this, so this conversation has been going on for you know decades probably millennia in some fashion right but very specifically talking about like the gdp for here in um the us right uh how do you measure measure it do you still say gdp in um the uk okay see this is i did not get the economics degree i studied social things <laughs> um so one of the things that was pointed out in this um article that i read and i'll i'll find something that we can drop in the show notes that i'll we'll discuss this a little bit better is with the gdp how we narrowly measure it things like let's just say cancer for example are almost rewarded towards the gdp when you think of all the things that go into cancer support the very expensive drugs the hospital stays and what not so the sicker somebody is the better it could in some way affect the gdp but is that really what we want in our world likewise uh there was a whole list of other things that i'm kind of stumped but part of the work that i do is volunteering with an organization here that talks about family issues and there's several books and i'll drop links into the show notes that talk about like women's issues specifically discussing exactly what you're talking about with that choice right so women's work is often valued less exactly like you discussed right like staying at home with the kids we don't usually attribute an economic value to it here in the US we have terrible paid family leave it's slowly changing uh care workers are given lower wages they're often done the work is done by people who um 
it's almost as if the browner the skin in some instances that they are they're the ones doing the work and then there's a whole economic disparity there where here in the u.s for example people who identify as native american or hispanic tend to make anywhere between 52 and 57 cents to the dollar to a white male counterpart and so like just like the range of disparities and the value of work and the value and you still need people like our kids need that tender care and we'll drop a link in the show notes to the episode i did with tiffany chapman where we discuss the tender care aspect um in more in more detail but like there's no value for it so it, it it's really fascinating and you know the the thing is uh, like fortunately for me um i do understand that world of artificial intelligence and machine learning where all of the new innovation is happening right and quite a lot of times we talk about um bringing in chatbots or AI robots to speak to the elderly, to speak to people who are lonely uh, by themselves. And we are talking about apps to help people like automated messaging robots to help people who have depression and so on. Like that is where we have come to as a society where we actually value people making automated robots more than people having conversations with people. And like, I don't know where we are going. This is, this is just, um, just a signpost to me as to how much lonelier do you want to get before you realize that, well, you know what, the human to human connection is so much more important and so much more valuable than a machine ever will be able to give you. And this is where I guess the um, profit motive of the world needs to, I guess, be slightly more nuanced and balanced with what is good for the world. Um, And like, do you want your parents to be having a real person to care for them or do you want them to be talking to a chatbot like honestly I, I i i mean if you are thinking about that i don't even know where we are as a society going let's pause on that for one second and we'll come back in a moment after a very quick break and let's talk about our values with human connection and continue on does that sound right sounds great I love aligning my days with nature's rhythms, and I made a tool to make it easier. I would like to introduce you to my moon deck. My moon deck is a perpetual calendar, a calendar that never expires. This 86 card deck with booklet will allow you to lay out your day, week, or month, and overlay the sun and the moon with the elements and with the celebrations from the wheel of the year. This tool, drawn and created by me, Michelle Lassley, will be your fun, whimsical, and practical tool to see how nature and its rhythms can support you. If you want to learn more and get your own deck today, visit www.michellelassley.com slash moondeck. I can't wait to help you align your time with nature and my perpetual calendar, the moon deck. 
It sounds to me like you value human connection, face-to-face conversations, um, maybe hugs and physical touch and embracing and being able to have those, those, those dialogues. Do you know where that came from for you? So I'll, I'll say this, that um, I, I don't particularly value physical touch or physical proximity per se, but I definitely do value the human to human interaction. Like you and me are having a conversation over uh, video and that's perfectly valid and fine. And that's a great way to make friends. What I think um, is the problem is that we have started hiding behind our technology way too much. And I suppose I come from a generation where we sort of had that uh, bit of room to play in the sun in the park out there. And from then when we were like in our teens or so on the sort of mobile phones and internet and everything sort of um, hit. And I guess a lot of that comes from just because we were allowed to spend time with a bit of nature, a bit of real human connection. Um, So for me, I think that's where it came from. But also, I guess um, while growing up, I was very exposed to different sorts of um, thinking. Um, the part of India that I grew up in wanted to be a communist state, uh, whatever that means in a democracy like India, whatever that means. But that literally gave me so much more um, fodder to question and think. And then my degree in economics as well. I guess I was very exposed to different ways of thinking and Let's just say in economics, profit motive is just one of the ways you can solve problems in the world. Profit in our capitalist society sounds like the only motive, but if you are a student of economics, that's just one of the things you could be solving for. You could be solving for a ton of other things, including like some countries, um, I think they have attributed a certain amount to happiness. Some countries um, have started measuring their green GDP. Um, and there are other things like that, like some companies like social, social ent- enterprises, I think, they at times um, measure success based on how many lives they impact or things like that. So it doesn't always need to be profit that you are solving for, but Unfortunately, that's what um, gets rewarded because that's the nature of the capitalist um, society. And I would even argue that that's the nature of um, the animal kingdom in some ways, survival of the fittest and all of those things. So, You made a comment when we started talking about kind of how, in your observation, when people take jobs and they don't focus necessarily 
for one reason or another, great, because it could have started out that that was their passion. And then I think all of us who've worked in some sort of organizational environment, you find, you know, you start doing a job and then you do what the organization needs, which isn't always in alignment with like what you're really, really, really good at. You, you have skills that you can do the thing. And then slowly something happens and then you find that you've pivoted almost like the, the frog in the boiling water, right? I and mean, it's kind of a gross analogy, but you know, it happens slowly. And all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you're like, how did I get here? And, and I and you've mentioned the, the robotic look, and robots, kind of people robots, like right? robotically doing their thing mundanely without passion doing these jobs, just because it's the way it's always been done is kind of how I interpreted it. So it seems to me like if we could be really intentional that that's maybe a space we don't want to get into because it kind of feeds into all those other things, like only measuring by profit, only doing things in a certain way. And then when I look at it, I look at us and then not being good stewards of our environment or of each other. And if we could flip that script and work on the things that are in an alignment with us, again, it could just, we could stop being robots and we could start doing different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know why we don't as a society question more because children question quite a lot, you know, Um, and there's something that happens between childhood to when you are sufficiently adult that you stop questioning. Why is it that I'm doing this? Why like this fear of failure, I think from somewhere, we get that and we borrow that and um, that's that's good that saves us in many respects like of course the fear of falling down from a staircase or the fear of falling down and hurting your head is something that keeps you safe but that's not necessarily something that helps you thrive in every environment yeah Okay, have you ever read the book? It's by an author. His name is Poe Bronson. It's called What You Should Be Doing With Your Life. Have you ever heard that book? I haven't, no. It was written uh, several years ago, and I bought it, and I've misplaced it on my bookshelf. It's the saddest thing in the world. Anyway, he has a... um, His whole thing his whole thesis in this book is that we should we should be figuring out what we should be doing and and then go do that he has he interviewed hundreds of people and he's got uh, many many examples in the book i remember a couple i'm not going to give you the spoiler one which is a really beautiful story and it's actually only like two or three pages worth of reading super fast but the um one of the first stories he shared was there was this very successful C-suite executive. I think she was like in marketing and something. And she got to travel all over. She, I think I remember reading, you know, she found herself like in Milan frequently, for example. Like, I don't think she was in the fashion industry, but she literally traveled all over and she was, you know, had the prestige, had the everything that you, you said, high performance clients. This is what I imagine is this individual in this book. And she had a break. And I don't remember if she got sick because of stress or what happened, but something shifted and she realized that was not what she should be doing. And what she should be doing was body work, a massage therapist. And she did that dramatic pivot from, as you described kind of earlier, 
right? That prestige and the things that we look to like, oh, that she made it. She hit success, but it wasn't what she should be doing. She should be this humble massage therapist, maybe treating, I don't know, 12 people a week or something. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's, again, about that massage therapy, again, is so much about that human connection that we don't, um, I guess, understand enough about, uh, like, massage parlors, spas, and so on are so popular today, just, again, because we are starting to lose out on that companionship and uh, interactions and physical proximity and so on, like, our, I, I don't think our bodies were built for the way we live. Yeah. Sitting at a desk all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Could probably use more gardening. Okay. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was uh, kind of to discuss money and women and I don't know if there's even room for that in our conversation. We've philosophized on a lot of things and I'm very enjoying our conversation, but I was wondering if you've noticed anything maybe with your clients and with your work that differentiates how women tend to view and hold on to money versus like maybe how other other people do. So I'll say two things. One is um, actually surprisingly even though most coaches say that they have more women clients than men. In fact, most coaches exclusively coach women. Um, for me, I think even though I'm uh, a female, I have somehow attracted quite a balanced um, set of people, which is interesting in its own right. But I feel like women are more invested in finding their truth and finding their vision and passion than men are. One of the reasons I think that could be is because, you know, men were brought up having that script ingrained in their head that, look, whatever happens, you need to take care of your family. You need to be there. You need to be the breadwinner. You need to, like, there is no room for failure. So men are not even given that chance or choice to think whether or not they can choose to go and be a massage therapist when actually they have some very high achieving job. Women have, I suppose, um, a bit more flexibility. But that said, I think um, a lot of women also have more value on money as measures of security rather than show off. So women think of, and this is my interpretation, I could be like completely wrong in many cases, right? Like I'm grossly generalizing, but I think for women, it's more about, do I have enough money to be safe? That's fine. That's, that's okay then. Whereas for um, men, it could be again about that status, that prestige, because culturally that's how I think we were sort of brought up across cultures um, in some cases. So, 
um, that's what I think. One interesting note to make here is um, I don't know if you have heard of Muhammad Yunus. He won the Nobel Peace Prize in the early 2000s. Uh, and he did this bit of fascinating work with women in Bangladesh. And uh, he basically organized them into self-help groups. And his theory was that if I give the money to the women instead of the men, um, the society prospers. And that's what happened uh, for that control set that he was working in. And that was really interesting. Was that akin to the micro-lending? Yes, that's exactly what it is, the micro-lending. Yes. We'll drop a link in the show notes so you, dear listener, can uh, take some research on that. I forgot about that. And that was a beautiful, beautiful study of how even just giving these tiny, tiny loans so the woman could maybe do a weaving business or her bread business or whatever it was and how it transformed those communities in such a positive way. Yeah. Fascinating work. Yeah. We only have a couple more minutes and I am curious what advice would you give whoever's listening to be able to shake off the robot and get in alignment with what they should be doing? I would almost start from the perspective that you take when you are faced with a problem. So if you think there's a problem in your life, like you need a new job, you hate your boss, you, I don't know, don't uh, feel like you look good in those shoes or pants or whatever. I guess start challenging the belief that is underlying, okay, so why do I think I don't look good? Why do I not like my boss? Why do I not like my job? And just keep honing in on is it is it me what is it about me where does this thinking come from is it me when i was a child like most often than not we find that there's a chi- childhood story that plays into most of how we are conditioned and how we view the world and ultimately get back to how is that story still serving me is it serving me or is it just becoming an obstacle to my happiness and my fulfillment and when you sort of let go of that story that's imprisoning you i think you are just let free and that's that's the sort of abundance i keep talking about through the abundance psyche that you are only limited if you think you are but actually you have an abundance of everything that you want to do you just have to reach out and believe in yourself a bit more where can people find you so i hang out on my website theabundancepsyche.com i have an instagram channel and a facebook page uh, which is at uh, the abundance psyche as well um, i am a bit uh, of a recluse on social media but um, but i'm trying to be better but yeah like the best way to reach me is uh, through my email theabundancepsyche@gmail.com awesome 
Sadeshna, thank you so much for joining us and sharing. I, I love philosophizing conversation, so I've thoroughly enjoyed having you here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Love the conversation. Balance Shared is curated by me, Michelle Lassley, and produced by Matt Hunter. The instrumental music Grass by Silent Partner is from the YouTube Audio Library. If you've enjoyed today's episode, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you've loved the messages of co-creating a better future and digging into ourselves, maybe you'd like to become a sponsor. Email hello at michellelassley.com to get your sponsorship guide. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together.